This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Doing more is not the solution. You need to do different. Valeria Tejas interviews Stanley Ward, the author of How to Beat Burnout for yourself, your family, and your team. Most leaders focus primarily on relationships or results. Few are able to give their 100% both to people and productivity. In addition to that challenge, the technical skills that helped leaders get stuff done in previous positions of responsibility are not sufficient to meet the new challenges before them. Focusing on both relationships and results creates positive and productive workplaces, but it takes a huge amount of energy from the leader to maintain this focus and can set them up for burnout. When leaders burn out, both their organizations and their families suffer. Dr. Stan Ward provides individual coaching, team training, and educational content to help leaders develop the core relational and thinking skills they need in order to have the energy, relationships, and sense of accomplishment needed to succeed both at work and home. Besides his work as a leadership coach, Stan is also an adjunct professor, author of multiple books, husband, father, Tai Chi practitioner, and fountain pen fan. Meet Stanley at coachingforinfluence.com. Here is the interview with Stanley Ward. In your own words, who is Stanley Ward? Oh, my goodness. What a delightful question. So it depends on what day you ask. Uh, you know, <laughs> right. some, some days, if I've, if I've been reading uh, you know, science fiction or comic books or something, which is, is something I've enjoyed doing as a hobby since I was a kid, I might describe myself as a bit of a hobbit, meaning a, a person who loves being home, loves time with family and community, loves good food, good drink, good conversation. On other days, if you caught me in a more serious mood, I might describe myself as a, a person who's a, a bit of a scholar and philosopher, trying to to understand the deep truths of life and share those so that others can benefit. Because I am also a person who believes very deeply that life is not about being a consumer, but it's really about being a contributor. And I, and I mean that in a non-judgmental tone. Uh, right. You know, I have to be careful with, with that kind of language sometimes. So I'm not I'm not here to decide whether a person's a contributor or not, but 
I am here to say for me, I want to make sure my life's not just about consuming things, but about adding value to others. Yes, that's a great message. And I love what he said, the observation, this is not a judgment or a judgmental comment. It's just the way you see life, your perspective, which is wonderful to me. Yeah, I, I don't get to decide whether a person's a contributor or not. Right. <laughs> I just I just know what it looks like for me. And right. I know because I know the gifts that my family has. I, I know what it looks like for them because of the places where they have their their genius. And so just watching people share their genius with the world. So my second official question to you, Stan, is success. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? Yeah, so the word integrity definitely comes to mind. And I see integrity as this this place where my beliefs that I really believe in my core being uh, the beliefs that I express with my words and the beliefs that I show with my actions, so the beliefs I hold, the beliefs I ex- speak, the beliefs I express, all those things line up. And, and when that happens, it makes success possible. And I'm also a big believer because of my work on helping leaders beat burnout that the ability to do this in a way where I, I'm able to have energy and I'm able to have positive relationships, and I'm able to feel effective in the world. Those three pieces as well are a big part of success. So if I make a huge impact, but it completely exhausts myself and uh, do it in a way that I damage a lot of relationships, uh, that's not necessarily success. That's something else. Right. may just be making a big mess, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> Beliefs and values, do you connect them? Are they connected somehow? or a different? Yeah. Uh, so for me, I'm, I'm coming out of that uh, Judeo-Christian tradition. So I, I do have a sense of this idea that ethics, the oughts of life, are sort of rooted in some principles about what it means to be human, uh, respect that we show for others, things of, of that nature. I do think there are some, so you might call those the capital V values. And then I think there are some others, maybe small V values. Uh, again, I mentioned, I ever since I was a kid, I've just always enjoyed science fiction and fantasy. Uh, and so for me, I just, I just kind of enjoy that imaginative world. And so I value getting to use my imagination and spend time doing that. My mom was a librarian and I think I picked it up from there when I was little. She she put me in front of a lot of great literature. I remember listening to the Homer's Odyssey on audio tape when I was probably four or five years old even. So I got immersed in that pretty quickly. Yeah. So it really depends on what we are exposed to. That's uh, some people call programming, but that is really connects to beliefs and values. Yeah. As an adult, when we have these strong ideas. Yeah. You're about to say something. Yeah. You have me reflecting. I think some people will call it their North Star, yeah. a guiding principle. Yeah. Right. I also think of it as something that has gravity. It has weight to it. Mm. And it's those values are the things that sort of draw me forward. Would you say that also gives meaning to your life? Certainly. Again, I think that's where the integrity piece comes in. And we, we find that in the, the this conversation on burnout as well, that when people are just going through the motions and they don't feel like their emotions are purposeful or they don't feel like their emotions have any real impact, that's a sign of, of burnout. Oh, wow. Yeah, I have lots of questions 
for you on burnout that I'm saving here for a minute later. But before that, let me ask you a, another question that is connected to the idea of success. Power. What is power to you? So I'm going to tend to put it in terms of influence. By way of background, I have a PhD in leadership studies. And so there, there are academic understandings of power. Most famous is a, a power model by French and Raven, two scholars. And they're going to say that there are uh, sort of soft power types that are often based in relationships. And then there are more, for lack of a better term, hard power types that are often based in our ability to control resources or our position in our organization, you know, the ability to make decisions that impact others. For me, I am not one who feels the need to climb to the top of the corporate ladder. I'm a lot more interested in the interpersonal dynamics related to power. And again, I think of that in terms of influence and not manipulation. And I do think it's really important to distinguish between a positive use of power, influencing others, motivating others, inspiring others, versus a negative use of power, which is about manipulation. Could you give me an example of what would be a similar situation where influence is being applied and manipulation is at play? Yeah. Um, if you can think of one. Well, I, I have sort of a humorous one on influence, and then I'll, I'll see what I can do with manipulation. But yeah. <laughs> So I have two daughters. I'm married, been married for 25 years, a 19-year-old daughter and a 16-year-old daughter. And so our 19-year-old's at college, our 16-year-old's still living at home. And, and I'll ask her to do something around the house, and, and she'll do it, and then I'll say thank you. And, and often she will look at me and say, well, dad, you, you told me to do that or you asked me to do that. Okay. And my response is, well, yeah, but you still get to choose whether you do that or not. So I'm grateful. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That that's influence. Mm -hmm. uh, influence in that I'm making the request. I'm trying to express myself as clearly as possible. I'm open to conversation and then I'm celebrating success after it happens. Wow, that's great. Thanks for doing that. The, you know, the manipulative side it could be about forcing someone to do something. Although, I, you know, I think about, uh, you know, if, if you join a health club and are forced to exercise, right, you, know, you, you just know going in, I'm, I'm joining this relationship because I know they're going to push me to do things that I wouldn't do on my own, right? So that's, <laughs> I, that's positive. That's still influence. I really think when we get into the manipulation piece is where we're not being clear about our motives or the, the tools we're using. Mm. Right. So there's usually some element of deception in it. So I have a few more of these uh, warm up questions. The next one is about the purpose of life. What do you think the purpose of the human experience is? You know, I may have to, to process that a little bit. Yeah. Again, because I come from this Judeo Christian tradition, for me, there is this sense of both that human beings are made to to know their creator and to share the creator's love with others. I, I think where religious traditions get skewed, and I, you know, I, I, I kind of see this in some what I would call kind of pop culture Christianity is is a sense of it's all about me kind of Christianity. And yeah, there's a piece of that. Yes, you were created in the image of God, and, and that is about you. And 
as a created being, your creator has things for you to do in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, and, and that involves, uh, the way you show up in the world, how you share yourself, how you share your resources with others. And again, I, for me, I, I go back to this whole being a contributor and not just a consumer. I, that's coming from my faith tradition. Right. I love that. Knowing the creator and sharing its love with others. First, understanding what love is from the creator and then sharing. That's beautiful. I love that. Freedom. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? Okay. So let's go back to our, some of our theological discussions. There's a guy named St. Augustine who talks about freedom. And he says, and you may have heard this quote, but this idea that that freedom is not so much the ability to choose whatever I want, but it's the ability to choose what is right. Mm, Um, To choose the good might be a better way of putting it. Yeah, you know, manipulation may be where we, we constrain people in such a way that, yeah, they feel like they're able to make choices, but we don't allow them to choose the good or the true or the beautiful. To, to speak in very philosophical terms is I, yeah, as I think about this with you, it, I think it's true freedom is the opportunity to, to choose the good, the true and the beautiful. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which translates to me as choosing wisely. So that's the, uh, the application of wisdom, right? And my last warm up question is what are some of the greatest misconceptions about happiness from your perspective? Oh, man. I I think the idea that there's this island called happiness, and I just need to get myself there. And I'll I'll confess, I mean, I I am, my emotional baselines, because I am kind of philosophical, is probably lower than a lot of folks. So I don't necessarily use happiness as a, a benchmark for success. I, you know, for me, contentment, peace, uh, joy, which for me, you know, happiness kind of comes and goes. Joy is something more sustaining or abiding. Uh, again, as I'm purposefully connected with with my creator, as I'm purposely connected with um, doing what I'm created to do, joy just kind of bubbles up in the process. It's not something I'm forcing to happen. I oh, guess wow. the biggest misnomer I think there is about happiness is that it's the ultimate target. I think it's more of a byproduct of showing up a certain way in the world rather than this thing that you just pursue and someday achieve. So you wrote the book, How to Beat Burnout, for yourself, your family, and your team. Two initial questions. How did you become a writer? And what was the inspiration and intention of writing your book? Oh, thank you. So uh, again, I think having uh, grown up with a mom who's a librarian, I've always been around books. Early on, I remember even in grade school trying to write miniature books on, of course, you know, lined school paper, right? And I'd, you know, fold it in half and put a staple down it somehow. And then there's several pages of a book somehow that I've just created and uh, would even illustrate them with my crayons. So, so I've been doing the writing business for a while. And then I realized in, in college and graduate school and things of that nature, it just gave me joy. Uh, it's a it is a way of me crafting something uh, again, not just for my sake, but with the hope that it helps serve others. 
And I would say ultimately, as far as some of the inspiration and purpose of the book, yeah, it's to craft something, again, not just for my benefit, but something that can really serve others and benefit others. Um, you know, I know for myself, I think I'm, I am prone to burnout. I, I care deeply about both people and productivity or, or both results and relationships. That takes a lot of energy. And we know when the way burnout shows up is especially is essentially when people are emotionally exhausted, uh, they're feeling depersonalized, sort of robotic, going through the motions, not connected to other people, not connected to their sense of purpose. And then when they're feeling ineffective, as those things come together, that's where burnout really shows up. Why did you choose to become a leadership educator and coach? Yeah, what was the main reason for that to happen? Well, yeah, I'll go back to, again, just that sense of of gifting and opportunity. It's where gifts and opportunity aligned. I have, I've always been one who enjoyed studies and enjoyed going to school. And so I went and got a PhD. And the program that I did a PhD in, just because it was the best fit for my interests and opportunities at the time, was a PhD in leadership studies. As I was coming to the end of that process, uh, there was a woman in our cohort who was a vice president in the aerospace industry, and, and she pulled me aside and says, Dan, I think you can make a really great coach. What do you think? Does that sound interesting to you? I was like, yeah, her name is Margo. Margo, that'd be great. Yeah. And so she helped me get connected and get some training. And the, so for me, the leadership educator and coach is an opportunity to take my interest as a person who likes to create content, likes to share with others, a person who enjoys a certain kind of research, but a person who's also not just research for research sake, but trying to do practical stuff in the world. Uh, you know, leadership's very concerned about practical stuff. How do we get things done as a team? How do we get things done as an organization? How do we inspire and not manipulate, right? Those kind of questions. That's where leadership is. When you speak of gift and purpose, how do we know what are the signs when we are living our purpose and utilizing our gifts? So uh, I do, I think a little bit about like the Gallup Strengths Finder, uh, the Clifton Strengths Finder that talks about this idea that strengths are those things that are, we're naturally good at and that energize us. And I think gifts, for me, gifts and strengths are synonymous, that when we're living out our gifting in the world, that's not to say it's not hard, and that's not to say that there won't be resistance, and that's not to say that uh, we may have to make sacrifices in order to, to use those gifts. However, as we're using them, there's a return, right? There's maybe this idea of flow state <laughs> mm, yeah. um, that, that we get into, and so that's, again, I think one of the reasons self-awareness is so important. I think one of the values of work like what you're doing and, and your podcast and the things you're putting out in the world is it can help people be more self-aware so they can know where those gifts are and then they can deliberately choose to, to carry those things out. So self-awareness, that's um, an interesting word I hear a lot when it comes to leadership. Sometimes we think of leadership as... One misnomer is this idea that, oh, it's about being the best of the best, yeah. right? So sort of the leader of the race. Right. And there is a kind of leadership by example there, but really what we're talking about is a person's ability to interact with others and, again, help them get a common vision and take action to achieve that vision. And so a lot of leadership development is a journey from the inside out because in order to have a vision, 
share that vision with others, and then help them take action on that vision, we have to understand our own emotional states. We have to understand how those, how to regulate those states. We have to understand how those states and our actions influence others. And we have to know how to, to regulate that, how to make deliberate action with the hope that it'll get us the result we want. But of course, knowing uh, that you can't really control other people, you can only influence them. <laughs> mm, right, right. I love that. So it's that idea yeah, of power being actually empowering others, empowering ourselves and others. Yeah, that really resonates true to me, that a leader would have that quality. And speaking of quality, what are some of the main qualities or other main qualities of a leader? Oh, so good. I I do think at root, that's about a person's ability to one, create some sort of vision, the ability to see something that others aren't seeing, and the ability to share that with others that, that inspires them in some way to take action. There's this, this great phrase that if, if you're a leader and no one's following, then you're really just out for a walk. <laughs> right. And, That's a funny one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that one, right? And again, I do think this idea of being that, that the term vision gets thrown out a lot for leaders. And so this idea yeah. of right. people who are able to see some alternative, something that's not obvious to everyone else. And again, that's where you're being a contributor and not just a consumer, whether it's in your organization, in your home, in your friend group. That's part of your gift is that vision. I think most people have a vision for something, right? That's where the self-awareness piece helps. It, and Valeria, I mean, this is something that I continue to struggle with, appreciating sort of some of my own gifts in this space. There are things that just seem patently obvious to me, but when I share it with others, I get this feedback of, oh, how did you think of that? Or, wow, I'd never never seen that before. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to share this stuff. I'm not just being redundant. Can anyone become a leader? Or, yeah, can leadership be taught? Yeah, so... There is a there's a, a fun book called The Leadership Challenge where the authors make a joke at the beginning of the book about this question about, uh, you know, are leaders born or made? And, and the joke is, well, they've not met any leaders yet who weren't born. So, OK, that, that answers part of that question. Right. Uh, but they're going to go to say, yes, that, that leadership is something that can be learned. Those are skills that can be learned and that anyone can do it. And again, I think of. You know, imagine a situation where maybe you meet a person who is suffering from tremendous physical and and even mental disabilities of some some form, right? These these challenges because of maybe something that, that had happened to maybe they were in a really bad car accident or something, right? And it severely impacted their ability to function in the world. Maybe they were uh, there were some things that happened during during their their birth or their genetics or something. And yet we're still inspired. There's something about these people that still inspire us, right? Right. Yeah. So that person is being a leader, even though they may have these, these obstacles that others don't have, or, or a, again, maybe this idea of limitations, challenges that others don't, they can still be a leader because they can still inspire. Talk to me for a moment about the connection between leadership and burnout. Yes. So uh, we know going back all the way to the 1950s in studies on management that for the most part, managers or 
leaders tend to either be really good and comfortable in getting results done, or they tend to be really comfortable and good at building relationships. It's very rare to have someone who's naturally gifted at both. We also know, though, that if you want to have an organization that's enjoyable to work at, if, if you want to have uh, a positive, productive, safe kind of workplace or family place or community group, both have to be present, both relationships and results. So that takes a lot of energy. What we also know is that when leaders extend a lot of energy or expend a lot of energy, I should say, and they don't have some way of recharging themselves, then they go into emotional exhaustion, which is one of the which is basically the number one predictor for burnout, because with emotional exhaustion, very quickly depersonalization, this lack of connection to people, lack of connection to purpose, that can very quickly follow. And it makes sense. If I'm exhausted, I'm going to tend to withdraw from the world because I'm not going to have the resources to engage it. And as we're doing that, then yeah, um, we're, we're not going to be effective. And so there are a core set of skills that leaders can develop that will help them manage their energy, manage their relationships, manage their sense of accomplishment. And what's really cool about that is these skills will benefit them not just in their work setting, but in their home lives as well. Yeah, that sounds really great if we can apply those skills everywhere, all parts of our lives. And um, can you mention some of them, Stanley, some of these skills? Can you share that with us? Sure. You know, I think the, one of the foundational ones is that self-awareness of knowing, okay, what are the things that energize me and what are the things that take energy away from me or exhaust me? And the ability to make intentional choices so that energy is not just flowing out all the time. So that would be, would be one skill. Uh, another is the idea of a designed alliance, which is a concept I get from the Coactive Teaching Institute. And really, that's about saying, okay, let's get really clear on what I need from the relationship as well as what you need from the relationship. There's an instrument called the Thomas Kilman Conflict Mode Inventory. And, and in that work, it helps a person plot out the sort of default communication style they, they default to. And, and they measure two things to understand that. One is what they call concern for the other, uh, right, trying to get clear on your needs. And then the second piece is concern for the self, getting clear on my needs. And so the ability to, to communicate, okay, here's what I need from you. What do you need from me? Or uh, what do you need from me? Okay, great. In order to, to provide that for you, here's what I'm going to need from you. So that both needs are clarified, they're spoken to, and they're addressed. And admittedly, uh, that, that win-win is not always possible. Sometimes because of a lack of resources, time, energy, money, whatever, we have to compromise in some way, but at least we've started to move out of this conflict into a, a more collaborative space. That self-awareness piece really makes me think about emotional intelligence or being in touch, knowing who you are. Yeah, yeah that's, that's really how I understand a lot of the self-awareness as well. In fact, some of the ways that I was describing it is taken from uh, the emotional intelligence literature and the way that that is understood. Yeah, I have a question for you about healthy stress. Hmm. There, is there such a thing as healthy stress? <laughs> there is. Um, in fact, the there's a term for it. The technical term is eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, eustress. Uh, 
again, let me geek out with you because I'm <laughs> I'm a guy who likes to study and I like I like books, I like words. <laughs> so when you see the prefix eu in front of a word mm. uh, such as euphemism, eulogy, things of that nature, eu means good. So you stress would be by definition good stress, and essentially that's the pressure that helps get us out of bed in the morning. Right. Yeah. Right. Even uh, I mean I know you have a background in in right in fitness, yeah. and so when you were exercising and putting stress on your muscles so they would get stronger, right? Not to the extent of tearing them down, but so that they could get stronger. That's right. use stress. That's beneficial pressure. The other term would be distress or uh, with the Center for Creative Leadership, something called stress. That's the negative stuff. And the basic difference is pressure is unavoidable. Stress can be avoided, the negative stress, the distress, and the root skill there is the ability not to ruminate. Mm. This is something the Center for Creative Leadership has found in their work. So when I look at the pressure and I worry about the parts of it I can't control, when I feel myself under pressure and begin to think, oh, I can't stand up to this, I'm not strong enough for this, or oh, I regret how I responded to this in the past, or oh, there's this piece of it I can't control in the future, right? that's where we start actually having that negative stress, that distress, and it, and it does weird things to our bodies. And one of the things that, um, that I noticed, perhaps with myself, is the complaining aspect. Do you think that this is um, one of the signs, complaining is one of the signs, and perhaps blaming too, are mm -hmm. signs of unhealthy stress? Yeah, I, you've got me thinking some good thoughts there, that Of course, one of the things we know with just positive psychology is to the extent that a person feels like they're able to take control of their world, make decisions that have an impact in their world, that they have self-efficacy, that relates to positive emotional and mental states. On the other side of it, if people feel like they're, for lack of a better term, a victim, that they don't have that self-efficacy, then yeah, that goes into this much more negative space. I see, I mean, some people say, well, I'm just venting. I, I think the difference between complaining and problem solving, mm. uh, you know, sometimes I think when people vent, it's because they're trying to figure out how to solve a problem. Yeah, right. Okay. Right. That's positive because that's about your self-efficacy. Yeah. If it's just, this is bad, 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 <laughs> and either I'm a victim or there's nothing I can do about it, yeah. and, you know, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I'm just going to go die and eat worms, yeah. right? <laughs> Um, song we sing when I was a kid. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be that, that would be an example of that negative space. And as we're talking, I mean, I'm just processing it now. I think, yeah, that could be an external sign of a person who's experiencing that, that distress, whether it's self-manufactured, right? Yeah. Certainly consistent with rumination, because again, there may be places where, where we do have some self-efficacy, where we are able to make Uh, small experiments is what I talk about in my book. There, there are small experiments we can try that can help shift things so that we can get that self-efficacy back so that we can make change happen and not just stay stuck. You made me think about um, sense of humor being an antidote to unhealthy stress. Have you um, studied yeah. or <laughs> yeah, come across that? Yeah, um, Well, okay, so... You have that sense of humor. Oh, thanks, yeah. Yeah, I do good like a champ. It's one of my, it's one of my gifts or strengths. Yeah, so it's interesting you mentioned that. So my, 
my wife and I both had some health issues and we, we've been in the Mayo Clinic. And in that experience, they were talking about the value of laughter that it's really just as beneficial as good deep belly breathing, uh, which we associate with the mindfulness movement, right? Right. The diaphragmatic breathing. Well, when you laugh, you are engaging in the kind of things that diaphragmatic breathing does, as well as getting just the extra benefit of those those feel-good chemicals that, that go with humor. And I, one of the reasons I'm a goofball is uh, because it's a way of influencing others. If I can help a person to laugh, I can help build a positive relationship with them. And hopefully in doing that, help them create this this vision for where they want to be or, or where I want to go with them. And what a wonderful way to do that <laughs> through being light. I actually sense of humor connected with being light, playful which is in spirituality, light has to do with elevated thoughts, elevated states of being. So thank you for being that light. So I have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. But before that, uh, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book, Stan? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I think, and this may speak to some of the, the later questions, but it, at the end of the book, I do talk about this idea um, something we can do every day to help us avoid burnout. And there's, there's really three things. And I got this from a friend of mine as a counselor who helps his patients who are dealing with depression by giving them these three things. And it's basically every day, every day, excuse me, uh, do something necessary, do something meaningful and do something fun. Mm, Yeah. And from a sense of energy relationships and effectiveness, man, that's just, that's it right there. And very practical, right? Doable. I agree. Yeah, great advice. Thank you so much for for your work. It's really a reminder for a lot of us. For me, it has been a reminder. And for those who don't know, it's a very important message, important messages and reminders. So my ending questions, I'll ask you three questions. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself and life as of today? Oh gosh, I, I'm still learning this one again. I'm I like to read, I like to study. I'm pretty bookish, but I can't outsmart all my problems. Um, I think I used to think that if I just that I could figure anything out, and if I just figured it out, I could solve it. Right. Yeah. And there are some challenges in life that are, for lack of a better term, wicked problems. They just they don't have straightforward technical solutions, right. and some of life's pain, you can't outsmart it. True. You just have to show up to it mm-hmm. and walk through it. So true. Yes. Um, yeah, I can very much relate to it. And I think most of us can as well. Yeah. Two more questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? Yeah, I'd probably start, stop going to bed so early. Um <laughs> So uh, I, I like to get up early, and uh, part of that's because by usually by nine o'clock at night, I'm just really tired and yeah. kind of ready to call it a day. But yeah, if I knew I only had uh, a certain amount of time left, I would do everything I could to make the most of of every minute and and push myself a little harder. Because if 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 you know you're going out, then you don't have to worry about recharging, right? It's just <laughs> use that battery up. <laughs> yes, true. Go for broke. <laughs> so true. Yes. Yeah. With wisdom, choosing wisely. Yes. 
And the last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Three things I know for sure about life. I, um, you know, I know that I'm loved by my family. And I think for me, that's a, is something I never take for granted. And it's something I, I have daily gratitude for. I, I do believe I'm, I'm, again, loved by my creator. I, I think it's, it's different. Uh, it doesn't mean there aren't hard parts to it. it. doesn't mean I'm protected from, again, life's difficulties. It doesn't mean I get out of jail free card. But I do think there's a, a sort of fundamental ground power or energy in the world that is motivated toward love. Um, and so I believe that, that I have the opportunity to be, to be connected to that. And I know, <laughs> to restate something we've talked about earlier, I just really want to be a, a contributor, not just a consumer. Thank you so much, Stanley, for your beautiful wisdom, straightforward wisdom, especially when you talk about the creator being here now and um, kind of supporting life itself to go in the direction of love. I love that wisdom. I love your sense of humor. I love your work, the, the purpose of your work and your awareness, the knowing that you're doing this to help others. It's really beautiful. Thank you so much again. My pleasure. Thank you for this time. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Sure. So my business website is coachingforinfluence.com, and I'll spell that out. C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G, coaching, for, F-O-R, influence, I-N-F-L-U-E-N-C-E, coachingforinfluence.com. That's my business site. Or if you just want to connect with me personally, uh, Stanley J. Ward, S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-J-W-A-R-D, stanleyjward.com. Between those two sites, I've got links to, to all the different ways I show up in the world. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Sounds great. Bye for now. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Stanley Ward and his work, please visit coachingforinfluence.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.